little hope there is growing so quickly. Um, isn't it amazing to see these little ones just grow up so fast? What a, what a tremendous blessing that is. All right, well, today is our last sermon in the series called God Never Said That. And how many of us know there's a bunch of dumb things that people say that they attribute to God, but he never said that. Amen? And today we're going to talk about one that says, it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere. So let's take, watch this little setup video as we think about that question. I'm just really searching right now. I mean, my favorite professor doesn't even believe in God. And my roommate is part of this totally different religion that's it's actually pretty interesting to me. And then there's my boyfriend who just kind of picks and chooses from different religions. You know, I, I always thought I knew what I believed about God. Now I'm just not sure. Well, the good news is it doesn't really matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere. I shouldn't even have to tell you this, but God never said that. believe that sincerely look like it hurt you got one on your hair it's hilarious <laughs> we need that angel to show up around here a little bit don't we <laughs> god never said that all right doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere <clears throat> and by the way today it's a new day and i'm trying to get used to this but when i was a kid i got in trouble for writing notes in church well now we don't write notes in church we text in church um, and I actually want you to do that, uh, but not to each other. But if you want to send out a tweet or a text, you'll see it up here on the screen. Uh, just do that hashtag, God never said that. And if something gets said that uh, you think people need to hear about, just hashtag it that, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have that driven back to uh, one place where we can all see it and, and uh, enjoy the notes that you send in church. All right. God never said that. Doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. But what if you're sincerely wrong? And that is, that's the issue. Um, and we hear all over the place. I do a lot of funerals, a lot of more than most pastors because I work for the funeral home. And I hear it all the time. Well, at least they're what? In a better place. At least apparently, I, 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 must, I must have missed this in the Bible in my reading. But apparently all you got to do to go to heaven in middle Georgia is die. Uh, because apparently everybody's a Christian. Um, we, I, we're born that way, I guess. Well, actually, we're reborn that way, and that's the message that Middle Georgia needs, needs today. Amen? Um, and and we, I hear all the time, oh, at least they're in a better place, and, and they're up in heaven, and they're looking down on us right now. Y'all ever heard that? I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but there are several times a day that I don't want Grandma looking down on me from heaven. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, it just... There's crazy things that people say, and we have this idea that, well, you know, all roads eventually lead to God. So it doesn't really matter how you get there. As long as you get on a road and, and, you, know, and, and, and you, you, you really believe it, God understands when all is said and done. And that, that's the thought that, that goes around. And, otherwise, well, I can't, and the reason we believe that is this other thought is, well, I just can't believe that a loving God would ever send anybody to hell can't believe that a loving God would ever send anybody to hell. And, you know, we sit here, and as 
You can tell the church people that have been here a long time, they're shaking their heads, oh, I can't believe, well, get out in the world, people actually, there's a whole new generation out there, and some of you are part of that generation, they call them millennials, they believe that with all their heart. So what do you do with it? Um, well, here's the truth of the matter. There's very little controversy about God, as long as you leave the definition up to the person you're talking to. I say the definition meaning God. They have no problem with spirituality. I've got a book. I just came across it again this week in my library, and it's called this, The Rise of the Nons, N-O-N-E-S. And the nons is literally a group of people who are, here's their, this is the term that you'll hear. I am spiritual, but I am not religious. And they're called the nons. They don't go to church. They believe in a spirituality that, that they make up on their own, taking a little bit from here, a little bit from there. I'm spiritual, but I, I don't want the religion part of things. And, and, and nons have no problem with God, but they have a big problem with Jesus. You see, and you ever notice that? You can talk about God all day long, and people are with you. That's cool. That's God, and that's, how, that's wonderful. But then you bring up the name Jesus, and all of a sudden, you've got problems. All of a sudden, red flags are going off, and people don't like that. Now, now, here's the truth. Almost nobody debates the existence of Jesus. Even his detractors acknowledge that he lived. Did you know that there is, this is amazing. Did you know that there is more hard evidence? When I say hard evidence, I mean historical documentation. There is more historical documentation that Jesus walked this planet than that George Washington walked this planet. Did you know that? The existence of Yahshua from Nazareth is, is not up for debate. Even people who don't believe in Jesus as Savior believe in him as an historical figure. And for the most part, would you not agree with me? People loved his teaching. They still love his teaching. Most people love... The major teaching of Christ, loving your neighbor as yourself, helping the poor, serving people. They, they love the message of forgiveness. So they, they love his message. However, people choke on the ex exclusive claim of Jesus. That's where people get hung up. So they have no problem with the fact that he existed. They, for the most part, love his message. But they can't hang with the exclusive claim that he made in John Chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And I think verse 6 will come up here on the screen. And I, I want you to see that. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father. And here's that little word. And it's what, church? Except through me. And it's the exclusivity of Christ. And here's the truth of the matter. All world religions are not the same. They're just not. All roads don't lead to heaven. All world religions are not the same. Now, I want to say, and being intellectually honest with you, all world religions have some aspects of truth and beauty in them. But they're not the same. And I, and I want to run through just a few with you, just, just to help you understand. The first one is Buddhism. Um, Buddhism. Now, you, you look at that picture, and you would swear Buddha is Baptist. Starts with a B. He looks like a lot of deacons I know and preachers, <laughs> right? But, but Buddhism specifically um, does not believe in a God, in a personal God. 
Um, there's no type of final existence, no heaven. There's just countless rebirths, reincarnation, until you finally get it right and end the cycle. Um, here's another one is Hinduism. We find that oftentimes in India. Um, now, Hinduism does have an impersonal God. And, and, and that God is approached through a plethora of deities, statues, and idols, okay? So there's, everything can be God. I had a friend of mine that became a believer in Christ, a native of India, and he told me, he said, anything, can, you, can, you can make your desk your idol. You can, you can turn anything into an idol that you worship in order to get to this impersonal God. And here's the thing, with, with both Buddhism and Hinduism, Here's, here's some of the things. It, there's no offer of forgiveness. There's no offer of forgiveness or of spiritual help. You're pretty much just on your own. Um, they, they don't have that idea of, of a forgiveness of sin because there's really no concept of sin. And there's really no supernatural help. It's just what you do. But what they do believe in is what a lot of Christians believe in erroneously, and it's called karma. Y'all know what karma is? You can see it up there. What goes around, what? Comes around. You do bad things to people, and bad things are going to happen to you. You do good things to people, good things will happen to you. And it's just a never-ending cycle of, of karma. All right? Well, all right. And there, here's another world. What's another world religion? Do you know what the fastest-growing religion in the world is today? <coughs> Islam. That's exactly right. Islam is the fastest-growing religion. By the way, if you want to get a good understanding of the difference is there's only three religions that are what we call monotheistic. Mono meaning one, theism meaning God, that believe in one God and one God only. And they are Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. Those are the three monotheistic gods. And it just so happens that Islam today is the fastest growing religion in the world. And it's growing by the edge of the sword. Um, and it's an actually it's a fascinating religion. Uh, of course, they worship Allah. That is their name for God. And, and I want to say to you that Allah and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, two different gods. You, we, we need to know that. And this God, this Allah, there is no secondary gods. They're monotheistic. And there is a total ban on idols. So, you know, at that point, we're still, we're still agreeing with them. That, that, you know, there's no other gods and no idols. But here's where we differentiate. Their standing with this God is 100% dependent on their works. Okay? And, again, that's just a little bit of a snippet of, of the different idea. Then there's another religion, and it is becoming the predominant religion of the day. And it's called, it's been called the New Age. Um, New Ageism spiritualism and that's those folks that say you've heard it said you probably got friends that have said it i'm spiritual but not religious they have they, they embrace spirituality they reject all all other forms of faith but they they pick and choose and borrow and they're the have you seen the bumper sticker i meant to throw a picture of it up there that says coexist when you see that coexist and all those symbols and things that's that's the new age movement um there's no personal god there's just this higher consciousness this universe or cosmos um and i've even got a nephew who i constantly says his facebook post well the universe was kind to me today i'm like 
Um, no, but maybe the one who created the universe is, has been kind to you today. Um, by the way, the nons would fall into this group, spiritual but not religious. Did you know, and this should be concerning to us, or at least a benchmark for us, that in the last census, this, they, they grouped these nons together as, as, a, as a religion, even though they would reject, they would reject that. Did you know that the nons just overtook the Southern Baptists in population in the United States? And I want you to let that, let that sink in for a minute. There are more groups of people today, more in our population today, in our community, your next-door neighbor, that believe in spirituality but not religion than there are Southern Baptists. No. Well, some do. They borrow and pick and choose what, what they want. Um, so it's a faith without foundation. Then, of course, there's Christianity. Uh, Christianity believes in a personal God, that, that this personal God sent his son and wrote himself into, into the narrative. His name was Jesus. He demonstrated supernatural love, forgiveness. Um, he died for the sins of all who will believe, was buried and resurrected three days later supernaturally, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. That is historically what is called Christianity. And you see that picture up there. Does anyone know what that is? The fish. And it, it was the first century symbol of Christianity. Now, you've got to know that it didn't take real long in the first century that Christians became persecuted. And they, were, they got in a lot of trouble. Um, and so they would, the fish was actually a code word. It was a code signal. When you, when you met someone in the market and you, you didn't know if they were a Christian or not, you would take your sandal and you would just make an arch in the sand. And you would greet them with the word um, charis, which means grace. You, you would lock eyes and you would just go like this and say charis. If they were a Christian, they would come on the other side with their foot and finish it and make the fish and, and say erane, which is peace. And that was code that, hey, I'm with you, brother. I'm one of you. Grace and peace made the Christian fish called the ichthys. Um, so that's, that's kind of where that came from. That became the symbol of Christianity. So to say that all, all world religions are the same, are, are the same is really erroneous. And, and not all roads lead to heaven at the end of the day. Uh, roads always lead somewhere. All roads may lead to Rome, but all roads do not leave, lead to heaven. So here's what I'd like you to do today. I would like you to consider Jesus. Amongst all of these religions, consider Jesus. Now, notice I didn't say consider Christians that you know. I didn't say consider Christianity as a religion. I want today to, to step back and for you to consider Jesus himself. Um, don't look at my life because I will let you down. That's one of the things I like to tell people who are new to the church. I make one promise to you and one promise only, and that is I will disappoint you. So don't look to Pastor Paul. Look to Jesus. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I wholeheartedly embrace and support what I'm about to share with you. So I am biased, and I just want, I want to put that out there in advance. So here's the first thing. Let's consider the ministry of Jesus Christ. Let's look at the ministry of Jesus. And if you've got your Bibles, you can turn it to Mark chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Look at who he came and who he hung out with. Look at his ministry and, and, and the people that Jesus came 
to do life together with. And not just life here, but ultimately eternal life. And it's absolutely, it makes no sense from the earthly standpoint. It makes all kinds of sense when you look at it through the glasses of the kingdom. Here's what the Bible says in verse 16. When Jesus, or when the teachers of the law, who were the Pharisees, saw Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the what church? The sick. And I have called, and I have come not to call the righteous, but who? Sinners. People who know they have a problem. And it was the people that, that were despised by the culture that Jesus loved and accepted. The, the tax collectors and the sinners, the, the whores and the harlots and the drunkards, those were Jesus' friends. That's who he hung out with. And the religious community said, I don't know who this guy thinks he is, but he's cr- God would never hang out with those people. They had gotten so far away from God that they totally missed his heart. And when Jesus comes in his ministry, as you consider the ministry of Jesus, he came, and what did he do? So I'm going to tell you, what are some of the things, what are some of the things recorded in the historical documents about Jesus? What are some of the things that he did? Somebody tell me. He healed the sick. What else did he do? He raised the dead. What else did he do? He walked on, where are you, Sam? Oh, he's up there. He walked on water. I heard that voice coming from the balcony and it sounded like Sam. Yeah, he walked, can you imagine that? He, I walked on water, but it was February in Connecticut. I walked right across the lake. But Jesus did it when the lake wasn't frozen, when the sea was not. He walked on. What else did he do? He made the blind sea. Do you know we still can't do that today? With all the modern miracles of medicine, we cannot take a person who was born blind and cause them to see. Jesus did it. He did it more than once. He turned water into wine. And I know a lot of Baptists are still having a big problem with that, but he did it. He did it. Okay? I mean, even John the Baptist had a problem with that. And he's sitting in prison, and, and, and a word gets back to him that, yeah, your cousin there, this Jesus and Messiah, supposedly, they finally ran out of all the liquor at the party, and he made more. And John's like, oh, really? So he sends a message back. Are you the one, or should we look for another one? Hey, it messed people up in the first century. still messing up, but he did it. He turned water into wine. He had a big meeting one day, thousands of people, and there was no food. And a little kid came up with a happy meal and said, here, you can have my lunch. And he took a few loaves and fishes, and he prayed, and he fed over 5,000 men. Plus, you add women to that and children, you're looking at twelve to 15,000 people he fed with a happy meal. And, he, and they had leftovers. You could tell that wasn't a Baptist function, couldn't you? <laughs> uh, and here's the deal. At the end of the day, <coughs> his critics didn't question his miracles. They just wanted him to stop. Isn't that sad? One of the things that blows, one of the accounts that blows me away, he goes over to the, to the Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee. He gets out, and this guy comes up to him, and he's a nutcase. He's demon-possessed crazy man. And Jesus just says, you know, and then they, be gone. That's all he said, be gone. And, and so the demon said, hey, don't, don't just send us back to the abyss, back to hell. Can we go into these pigs? Or, or they, they herded pigs over there. He says, yeah, go ahead. So he goes, the, the, the demons enter the pigs, and pigs are smarter than people. They jump off the cliff into the water and kill themselves. First case of deviled ham. 
Come on, that was better than that, folks. <laughs> Some of you will get that on the way home today. Um, and you know what? You know what? The, you know what the response is. Here's this man who's been who's been terrorizing the whole town, whose family has fallen into into disrepair because they're basically homeless now because their 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 father slash husband's crazy. He comes back restored and in his right mind, and and the leaders of the town come to him and say, "Look, j- just leave." Just leave. You messed up our business. Who cares that this guy is made whole, whatever, but our pigs are gone. They didn't deny his miracles. They just wanted him to stop. And you know what? Some of you are miracles today. I look on this audience. I know some of you, some of you should be dead by now. No kidding with, with, with the life that you've lived. And yet here you are. Some of you should not have a wonderful family. You should be homeless Every one of us, every one of us are miracles if we've embraced the truth of Jesus Christ. No matter who you were, you can be something different. If any man be in Christ, he's a what? New creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And I, don't, and I want to say today, I don't care what your deal is. I don't care what your struggle is. Today. I don't care if you grew up in church and are a professional Christian. If you don't know Jesus Christ then you need the miracle of the new birth today. You need him. And the other good news, if you look at the ministry of Jesus and consider that, he's looking for people just like you. You say, Pastor, I don't have it all together. That's exactly who Jesus loved. He loved messed up people who were in chains of bondage because at the end of the day, he is the chain breaker. Amen? Amen? Matter of fact, I want the, I want the, the uh, worship team to come back up, and they're going to do a song for you today that's called Chain Breaker, and I want you to hear it right now. And I want, As they're playing this song, everybody listen to me as, as they're coming up. As they're playing this song, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about when Jesus changed your life, when Jesus set your chains free, and you stopped walking in bondage and you started walking in freedom. You say, Pastor, that's never happened to me. Oh, then listen to this song and know that in just a minute, I'm going to give you a chance to let that happen to you. To invite Jesus Christ to come and break the chains and set you free. Amen? All right, listen to this song as they, as they sing today.
We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all heard.
There's an empty grave, and it makes all the difference in the world. So number two, consider the resurrection of Jesus. Why was Jesus resurrected? Who needs resurrecting? People who have died. So Jesus what? He died. No big deal. Everybody dies. Kind of a big deal. Jesus died differently. I want you to follow this through. Why do we die? Why is there such a thing as physical death? Yeah, because the wages of sin is what, church? Death. Because we sin, we die. Jesus, however, was a little different. The historical record makes it abundant. Even his detractors who hated him could not get around the fact that they couldn't pin nothing on this guy. He kept God's law. You ready for this? Perfectly. And I had a, never had any adult ask me this question before. But in my sixth grade class at camp this summer, I had a student raise his hand and he said, then how did Jesus die? I said, well, on a cross. He said, no, no, no. If the wages of sin is death and Jesus never sinned, he shouldn't even have been physically able to die. And I'm like getting on the phone with Elizabeth. Help me out. I am stuck. How does this work? Text me something back fast, you know. And, and so we got to discussing that. And then here's the thing. It, here's, here's why. Here's why Jesus could physically die. It's exactly right. You know when we had communion, was it last Sunday? Was it just last Sunday? And we passed around a little bit of grape juice. We passed around a cracker. And what did you do with that grape juice and cracker? You drank it and you ate it. And what happened to it? It literally became part of you, right? Do you know that, th that the significance of that is not just what they represent, but it also, that, that, that grape juice and that, that, that cracker, it, it represents what happened on the cross. You see, because literally he embraced, he identified with our sin to the point that the scriptural record says this, he who knew no sin became your sin and my sin on that cross. He literally, he so took our sin, not just, listen to me, don't miss this, don't miss this, not upon himself, listen to me, but what? Into himself. Listen to me. He absorbed your sin and my sin on that cross. The God who never had a, ever knew sin, and that word knew is like Adam knew Eve and she bore him a son, is that that connection y'all adults with me that intimacy that level of knowledge you know that person when you're together like that jesus had no intimate knowledge no firsthand knowledge of sin never touched him until he absorbed it in your place he said how bad is my sin listen to me if you ever want to understand how bad your sin is look at the cross just look at it look at the six hours that jesus spent on the cross of calvary because in those six hours, all of the wrath that God, that God has against your sin, and by the way, God can't help it. 
because God is God, because God is holy, he has a stance, he has a position against sin, and it's an adversarial position, and God is angry against sin. God is wrathful against sin. That's what hell is all about. And because we sin, we have built up this this boiling cauldron of the wrath of God. And listen to me, you want to know how bad your sin is? Look at the cross. Listen to me. On that cross, God dumped out all of his wrath for your sin all over his son on the cross of Calvary in six hours. How bad is my sin? Look at the cross. Don't make light of your sin. If you make light of your sin, you make light of your Savior. I'm preaching better than you're listening this morning, but I'm telling you the truth today. Amen? Don't make light of your sin. Own it for all of the ugliness that it is and know that as close as you can come to the reality of your sin, we'll never, we'll never be able to fully understand what Jesus did on that cross. And then the Bible says, he cried out and he died. He gave up the ghost. Literally, he had the power over his own life. God finally said, here's, he said, how did that Six, how did that all work out? Now, I'm going to put a parenthesis here. This is Pastor Paul's very limited understanding. That's my opinion. Here's what I think happened. And I'll say it in the first person. You can hear it in the first person for yourself. That bowl, that cauldron of God's angry wrath against all the sinful, stupid things I've ever done the last drop of it was finally poured out on the sun. And the Father said, there's nothing left. You've absorbed it all. And Jesus said, then it's done. And he dies. But not until every drop of the wrath of God is poured out into Jesus. Why? Because my sin was in him on that cross. Am I making sense to anybody this morning? And the wage of the sin is what, church? It's death. And he died. And let me tell you, he was graveyard dead, as they like to say here in the South. But there was a guy standing underneath that cross, and his job was to keep any foolish person from trying to rescue the criminals. And he had a job to do. The Roman centurion. His job was to make sure that that guy really was dead, not faking it. Because if he comes off the cross and he's still alive, the centurion dies in his place. So for the sake of job security and life security, he takes a spear and runs it up through the rib of Christ. And the Bible says blood and water flowed. And we know that he was dead because upon death, the pericardium, the, there's a water sack around your heart. And we know that what happens is the blood and water separate upon death. And when it said blood and water flowed, that's proof. Because they were no longer mingled, that's proof that physical death had occurred. And he was just making sure. But he also said something (laughs) after that happened because an earthquake started. And that centurion looked around being being the very immoral pagan man who believed in many, many gods, including Caesar... He looked around at what had happened, at the way this man died and everything that had taken place and the fact that, it, that, that in the middle of the day it went black as night and that when he died, the earthquake happened, all this stuff going on. 
And he makes this commentary. He says, surely this was the Son of God. But then in there, does it? They do a rush embalming job. They had to hurry because their midnight is about 6 o'clock for them. When the sun goes down, that's the starting of the new day. Okay? And the problem was, there was a, it was a holy day. It was their Sabbath that was coming up. And, and, and it was a Sabbath of a holiday, not a Sabbath of a Saturday. And they could not be touching dead bodies by the time the sun goes down. So they do a rush embalming job. They just put some spices on them and they wrap them up in rags and they put them in a grave. And they begin to feast of unleavened bread. For three days they celebrate and they can't get back to him. That's why the Bible says early in the morning on the first day of the week. That was Sunday. And then these trinity of feasts, and the, the trinity of the spring feast starts with Passover. That's what Jesus celebrated with his men the night he was taken. Then he dies. And from six to six is one day, six to six is another day. And 6 to 6 comes up Sunday. So early in the morning, before it was daybreak, uh, Mary's headed to the tomb. Why? She's got to finish the embalming job. They had to hurry, get him in there before it got dark. She goes to the tomb, and you know what happens. She gets there, and what does she see? The stones rolled away. And on the way there, she's talking with her girlfriends and saying, how in the world are we going to move that stone? We're going to do that. Not to mention that Caesar, or a pilot, put his signet seal on that stone, which says, you move it, you're dead. They had big problems, and they were worried about You ever have big problems? You worry about, oh, God, this one's beyond God's realm. How's, how in the world, God, are we going to do this, right? Don't we do that? And that's what they were doing in their grief. And they come, and the stones rolled away. And worse yet, when they look in there, what do they discover? gone now they weren't jumping up and down doing a happy dance that caused their grief to be worse because they figure someone stole the body and then do you remember the account Jesus shows up and she thinks he's the gardener why she's crying she can't see straight she's distraught she's thinking that her teacher's body has been stolen and she can't give him the final burial and she is just overwhelmed. And she says, look, just, just tell me where you put his body and I'll take it from there. And what does he say? Mary. And she said, Rabboni. say a lot of crazy things about that day some of them say the Roman soldiers stole the body yeah that's going to happen to what end and whenever it got brought up to Pilate they would have loved nothing more saying oh, that's a bunch of baloney here's the body right here so, the one I love the most is that the disciples got together and created an extraction plan that these 11 guys who are in an upper room with a door locked petrified scared to death fishermen Average Joes created this commando plan to go and steal the body of Jesus and overcome the Roman guards and, and to create this myth that, oh, he resurrected. 
look, the body's not there. And then every one of them die for that lie. Folks, that just does not make sense. No, what happened is the father raised Jesus from the dead. And it changed history. And I want to say today, it can change your history. Let me talk about one of those guys. And then I'm going to close with my last point. And one of those guys' name was Thomas. Remember we talked about him this morning? Right? You remember that guy? What is he known as? How would you like to be stuck with that moniker the rest of your life? Doubting Thomas. Thomas didn't doubt for long. We know historically that he went to India and that he fearlessly preached the gospel there. And that when they commanded him over and over again to stop, and he finally said, I cannot renounce the risen Savior. They said, okay, if we can't stop the message, we're going to stop the messenger. And they slow-boiled him in oil for three days. And he would not die. And as he sat there in torment, as his organs were literally being slow-cooked, he preached the gospel. And the very people who were his executioners were getting saved. And they said, we got to put an end to this And after three days. Isn't that a significant number? They finally said, okay, this is over. And they took a spear and they ran it through his heart to finally put an end to it. Because he was leading his executioners to faith in the risen Christ. Listen to me, church. You don't do that for a lie. Something happened on that third day. And what happened was a miracle of, of immense proportions. A dead man came to life and he is resurrected. And the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's not up there just twiddling his thumbs. He's up there because the enemy is tattling on you for every dumb thing you do. And Jesus says, that's right, paid for Paid in full. Remember that? There's no wrath left for him, Dad. You remember that? You poured out. A, I took all that wrath. My blood was shed. And when you look at their sin, all you see is my perfection. And God says, Satan, get out of here. He lives to ever make intercession for you and for me. That's why on Easter morning, here's what we say. Come up there on that screen. We had this greeting that started in the first century. And it simply is, I say, he is risen. And you say what? Absolutely, and men, those, those disciples were all willing to die horrific deaths with the exception of John, and he didn't have it easy. They were willing to die horrific deaths because the resurrection was a fact. And if Jesus rose for them and forgave them, if Jesus forgave Peter, who, sold, who, who denied him, if Jesus forgave Thomas, who doubted him, listen to me, Jesus will forgive you. The resurrection matters for you. And here's the last thing I want you to consider. This is short. I want you to consider the eternal message of Jesus. What's all that about? It's all about what I've been saying. The eternal message of Christ is simply this. He did all of that to bring glory to the Father. So what's that got to do with me? Everything. You want to know what brings the Father the greatest glory? Him rescuing you from yourself him forgiving your sin and bringing you in a right relationship with him look what it says in Romans that's right 
That's at Romans 3.22. It'll come up on the screen. And we are made right with God by placing our faith where? In Jesus Christ. I love this. And this is true for who, church? Everyone who believes. And And I love this. No matter who you are. No matter who you are. And at the end of the day, it's Christ plus nothing. Christ plus nothing. He did it all. He did it all. And he doesn't invite you to a religion. He invites you to a relationship. Did you get that today? The God who made you, the God who sent his son to die in your place, deeply desires to have a relationship with you. Are you amazed by that? And he doesn't come to you and say, look, now from here on out, it's all about what you do. No, it's all about what Jesus did in your place. At the end of the day, we can put it this way. It's do versus done. Folks, listen to me. You know, you know why there, there are so many nons as your neighbors today? So many people who have that are thirsty because they know there's more to this life than this life. They know they're a spiritual creation. But they've watched, they've seen too much religion. And they say, you know what? My life's complicated enough. I don't need to sign up for anymore. <laughs> and, and who can blame them? Right? Right? Because they look at Christianity as a religion. And what is a religion? It's a list of do's. And if you're Baptist, it's a longer list of don'ts. That's what they think, right? You can't do anything fun, and you've got to do everything that's not fun. Right? And, and even then, it's, it's rolling the dice when it's all over. You might make it, you might not. Well, folks, if that's Christianity, I want my money back, too. But that's not it, is it? No. It's not doing a bunch of things. Listen to me. It's embracing what's already been done. You couldn't do anything to make yourself right with God. That's why he sent his son. You had a sin problem you could not fix. God had a son who could not sin. He sent the sinless son to die in your sinful place. And when we accept that, when we agree with that by faith, And we repent of trying to save ourselves. Listen to me. Some of us in here today, we need to repent of our do list and our don't list. You say, well, I got to repent of that. That's what's what's made me a good person. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. Our good works are the very things that can send us to hell. Our good works are the very thing that sets us against God. You say, well, I don't understand because God's good and I'm doing good things. Shouldn't that be good? It's only good when God does it. And the only good that happens is what Jesus did in your place on the cross at Calvary. And all we have to do is embrace that, stop trying to save ourselves, and allow Jesus Christ to rescue us once and for all. Does that make sense today? Once and for all. Do versus done. Religion says do all this stuff. And all those religions I named at the beginning, they all a bunch of doo-doo. 
Oh, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> a bunch of do's. Erase that. That Christianity is done. There's nothing left for you to do. Jesus did it all. You've heard that message a thousand times. But today might be the day that the Holy Spirit opened your eyes. And it's like, preacher, you're talking to me today. I'm running away, and I'm done running. I'm ready to run too. I get it. I believe. I'm going I'm to stop, stop trying to fix it myself, and I'm going to rely on Jesus. I'm going to have my musicians come. I'd like everybody to stand right where you are. Don't do this all the time, but today we're going to do it. I believe somebody here may need to confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I want to talk to you today. If you're here today and say, Preacher, that something, something's... I feel a way I've never felt in my life before. With the words you said, it just, you're, it, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing it for the first time. I want to do something about that. I want to invite you to come and talk to me. Or maybe you're here today. How many of you know somebody who desperately needs Jesus? Now, don't we all? And maybe today's the day that you come forward and you just pray for them. Maybe you just need to come, or maybe you just need to come forward and say, Lord, I I'm trying to fix these people. Maybe you're married to that person. I'm trying to fix them, and I can't fix them. So, Lord, I'm trying to do all these things, but I'm going to rest in the fact that you've done for them what they need to be done. And I'm, gonna, I wanna, I'm tired of striving. I just want to rest in the gospel today. Maybe you need to come forward and say, God, I, uh, today is the day that I quit, and I just let you do through me what I can't do for myself. I don't care what it is. I'm going to pray, and even as I'm praying, you come. They're going to sing a little song, but don't you worry about that song. You come. Come, church, and spend time with the Lord on your knee. Pray for that person. Come and receive Jesus. Come and repent of that sin that's holding you back. Come and tell him, Lord, I can't fix myself, and I sure can't fix my kids. I can't fix my spouse. I can't fix my friends. But I know you can, and I'm asking you to do it. God loves it when we get dependent. Oh, come and tell him that. Don't sit there with your feet in the mud. Get out of that pew. Come down here and talk to Jesus this morning as I pray. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name this morning, I know you're talking to people. God, I pray that you would bring them. I pray that we would do business with you, whether it's where we stand or down here as these have come, to, to just seek your face about something that's so heavy on their heart. And as these altars in this front row fills up this morning, Lord, oh, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and the glory of the gospel would, would just change us from the inside out, that we would stop trying to fix things and let, and let Jesus declare done over our lives. Maybe there's someone here today, Lord, that they just need to invite Jesus to live through them. They're a Christian. They put their faith in you. They've repented of their sin, but they just need to invite Jesus to live through them. I pray that you would speak specifically to every heart today for the sake of your name. Just as